0: Welcome back. Whoa,
1: what did, why did I say it like that? <laughs> <Why> <laughs> to the Good you? Fight Radio Show. <laughs> With me as always is
0: the president.
1: No, man, I'm off today. <laughs> I am not off. I'm on today. The show's producer, Tony Plaster. How are you doing today?
0: I'm feeling good now that I'm a president, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> once again, that's twice this week now, Tony. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I'm excited to be here with you today and discussing some some important topics. and you know i'm I'm sure the messed up intros because Joe is not here with us. But we hope to have him here
0: really, really soon. It's uh, that uh, bang drink you got going. You're wired up. Well, I I thought you were saying
1: that dang drink, you know, but no, no, the bang. Yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm, I'm wired and I'm ready talking about a really important subject, especially when it comes to this, you know, I think. I don't think you really need the bang. No, 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 no. No, I'm always pretty jacked up, you know, but... Uh,
0: but it's what no. you want. Yeah. I'm burying the lead there a little <laughs> bit for you.
1: <laughs> I know. I feel like we have, because it's just been the two of us, we haven't been able to get our leads as buried, you know, because between you and Joe, <laughs> right? I don't know if I can ever get through saying the title before we get to it. But yes, as Tony has mentioned, specifically, we want to talk about there's things that the world needs and we need, and then there are things that they want and those things are very 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 different and you know when it comes to this subject those things that we need versus wants and 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 so and so forth i remember you know talking to a teacher and i needed to make grades for wrestling and at that time it was uh, a big struggle for me cuz i never showed up to class uh, cuz i was you know, uh, not, not, not the best scholastically uh, as growing up. I just needed to make grades for wrestling. And I remember having a discussion. She's an English teacher. Right. And I remember like sitting across from her and I was like, all right, what do I need to do to to get this grade? You know, like, I really need this grade. She's like, no, 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 you got to want it. Hmm. I was like, yeah, but I need it, (laughs) you know? And we're in this like debate. And she's like, no, 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 Chad, I want you to want this grade. I was like, I want it so bad I need
0: it, you know? (laughs) And finally it
1: clicked, like, yeah, I want it so bad that I need it, that it's a necessity for me. And I think that that needs to be something that that we understand, that we grow to a place that when it comes to the the subject we're talking about, we need to understand what it is that we need. Because if you are looking to find something – but you don't really know what you're looking for, you're going to have a wrong destination. You see, I was talking with a brother in Christ today, and I asked him specifically, is happiness the highest good? Because that was a statement by Aristotle. And one of the things we were talking about is that can somewhat sound true, but If you don't know what you mean by the statement, then you get yourself in a lot of trouble. And that's exactly what took place with Aristotle and Plato and so forth, is the thing that they would consider happiness, they were really going after the wrong thing. And I don't believe that happiness is the greatest good. The opposite of that's
0: interesting too. The highest good will make you happy. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, will it? If you have the right thing, that's good.
1: Yeah, you got you to gotta actually have the right destination, right? Uh, because if I'm really excited about going to watch a game be played, especially since you're not allowed to do that because of COVID, unless you're in Texas, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if I'm really, really excited and someone's like, here's the tickets, and then they give me the directions, but the directions are to the wrong stadium, I'm going to miss the game. You know, I want to make sure, even if I'm sincere about getting there, I want to make sure I'm actually going towards the right direction. And I think that happiness is not actually the highest good. I think that there are plenty of things that make you happy for a while, but happiness is fleeting. Mm-hmm. It is joy that remains when the joy is found in the Lord. And so I was looking at different things and and different studies when it comes to specifically happiness and joy. And one of the things they found is that over time, over and over again, people are getting less and less happy. They have less they look forward to. They have less things they're excited about. Um, And it's really sad because I believe this is Satan's done a wonderful job of so many distractions. There's so many things And everything that we see is from the kings of instant gratification. And we continue to look for sources to gratify us over and over again. And you think about this, guys, playing video games, right? Whether drug usage, so forth, okay? A lot of these things like video games, they set off uh, not serotonin, but endorphins in your brain, winning them, accomplishing them. And a lot of times these games now, they try to get a end result very quickly, right? They, you got to have different things you're trying to achieve over and over again to get people to continue to be addicted, really. And so they're trying different ways to keep people happy. And I do, And I believe that this happiness is somewhat of a substitute for joy. Because when I have joy, it's sustainable. When I have joy in the Lord, it's absolutely sustainable. If I'm just finding happiness through different things, right? Eventually, they're going to go away. And you know, I've I've coached a number of sports, wrestling being um, my number one that I've coached the longest in terms of any sport, and it's really cool to win trophies and coach of the year awards and see your guys accomplish goals and all that. It's really, really cool. I got to be honest with you. We worked really, really hard. And when I think of those verses where Paul brings up specifically how hard that the athlete trains in order to win a perishable crown, I, those things hit hard to me because I remember we would do, I'll, I'll just give you guys an example. When it came to our wrestling team, we would do, for a lot of my my best wrestlers, we would do two-a-days. Wrestling practice is tough enough, all right? Usually your warm-up is longer than where cross-country runs, and most of the weightlifters <laughs> don't spend as much time as we do weightlifting. And then we start wrestling, and then the real practice starts. And we would wake up, and we would do a practice before school started, a, a private practice with just the better wrestlers, and then we'd have a full team practice later in the day. And then we'd usually sneak into the gym on Sunday mornings as well before church. Now, I will tell you this, full disclosure, I did the private practice on Sunday mornings uh, with the rule that you had to go to church afterwards in order to get some of these guys to church that would never otherwise step foot <laughs> in a church. And um, one of the cool things is, is even though I did see a lot of them accomplish goals that we set out for them, hey, this is what I think you can do if you, if you put your mind to it in this way and you really, really, really work hard. I think you could make it to state. I think you could place in CIF. I think you could do these things. And we would work really, really hard. And I'm talking about really, really hard. And when you saw them accomplish them, I remember tears coming out of my eyes when guys that would win a match that they, you know, a long time ago, nobody would have thought it, that they could win. And and you're so excited for them to accomplish it. But I will tell you this, those ones that, Those goals that I watched them achieve and everything are nothing compared to now seeing many of them follow Christ and know Jesus. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not just saying that. This is a fact. I have quite a few young men that wrestled for me, accomplished amazing goals and amazing feats. And it is—it's. I don't even like comparing them. It's embarrassing to compare watching them follow the Lord, watching them lead someone to Christ, watching them disciple others, watching them know the Word, watching them share the gospel. Like it, it's not even—it's not even comparable. And I had a great time. And I'm kind of a tough coach. <laughs> a bunch of my wrestlers listen to these shows. So I'm a, I'm a pretty hard coach in terms of how hard I make you work when you do it. But uh, the, the thing that I've always taught as a wrestling coach was, guys, let's work so hard in the room that our confidence is not that we'll remember the right move at the right time. But our confidence is I work so hard. I worked so hard that there's no way that other guy worked harder than me. And a lot of times I've tried to relate that to getting into the Word, getting into prayer, making sure that we would not be so nervous to go out because we've done the preparation and rightly divided God's Word as we're supposed to, that we would not be a man ashamed because we don't rightly divide it. And so we work and work and work and make sure, not because we're like, hey, I want to work really hard for my salvation, that's not necessarily what I'm saying, What I'm saying is I want to work really hard so I can bring more glory to Christ and bring more people to know Him. But we do this knowing that what we're trying to accomplish is not perishable. And the sad thing is, and I used to say this, but now it seems like parents are excited about it. And I used to say in wrestling, you know, you guys could quit now. And usually they were running sprints at this time. You could quit now and you can go play video games And you could win in your video games and not even your own mother will be proud of it. You know? And that that's how I felt, you know, because a lot of these guys you find they just play hours and hours of video games and the parents have used it as a pacifier. That's pretty much it. The kids are on binkies pretty much, binkies and babas, uh as as, you know, they're going through puberty. They're on binkies and babas with their video games, and their parents don't pay any attention because they're too busy with their own life. Exactly what Satan wants is families away from each other, have nothing to do with each other, not talking to each other. That's exactly what Satan wants, and that's what he does, and he does it through video games. And so that's what you'll see over and over again. But I always was like, hey, you want to work hard to achieve goals. And when goals that you try to achieve come without the work, you just expect more and more and more and more of them. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when it comes to video games. And, you know, if you didn't work for it, and it wasn't that hard to get it. And I remember having a discussion with one of my um, one of my closest friends. And he was describing to me what it was like using Oxycontin because he, he began using Oxycontin. And I'm like, dude, how do you get hooked on this stuff? And this is before I was saved. I was like, how do you get hooked on this stuff? Like, what does it even feel like? What are you doing? Like, why are you taking this stuff? And he's like, do you know that feeling that we get after we win like a match, we've trained really hard for, and they raise your hand, and this guy was literally one of the best wrestlers I ever knew. And that, that they raise your hand and the crowd kind of goes crazy, you've won some tournament. He's like, "I feel that on every hit. That's what he told me. And what's interesting is that when you look back, this is this an opioid, you know, when you look back uh, at heroin, specifically, which my friend would eventually get addicted to, uh, when you look back at heroin, Heroin, the original name for it, is Eros, right? The, I believe it's a, a German word because it was made by Bayer because they said when you took it, you felt like a hero. And so these these endorphins, these 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 mind games, the way that Satan uses the physical to attack our spiritual life, and what he does is is once again giving us these facades, giving us these these different avenues by way of I believe building up our depression. Um, by faking happiness and joy, and, and and giving us these false hopes and false joys, and giving it in the form of happiness, and you know, if you, we have a track that you guys can check out, it's called "When Ecstasy Turns to Misery," and it talks specifically about what happens to the brain and why they have what's called suicide Tuesdays after raves. Because we went out and shared the gospel at uh, the Electric Daisy Carnival, over 150,000 people, I believe, out in Las Vegas at the Raceway, and all the hotels are filled up with people, and they'll go all three days without even sleeping on ecstasy, acid, usually they mix those two, alcohol, and a lot of Red Bull and different things, and a lot of people dehydrate, it's pretty... Pretty crazy what happens uh, when you, when you add those things. But one of the things that talks about is Suicide Tuesdays in it, because what happens is the the brain waves and those receptors are going crazy when you take those drugs, just absolutely crazy, sending these signals of joy and happiness in your head off off of a pill, and then on Tuesday crashes down to down just absolutely because your body has been putting in uh, a foreign agent to send off these receptors so then it doesn't build them up afterwards and so now on tuesday it's just depression so they call them suicide tuesdays and what what satan does is this cycle of keeping you in need of that over and over again it's really really sad and in a 2003 book called Healing Anxiety and Depression, Dr. Daniel Amen and Dr. Lisa Routh, or Ruth, uh, state, quote, anxiety and depression are major public health problem reaching epidemic levels in the United States. And guys, this is something that I wanted to bring up because the fact is, is that people are feeling more blue, people are getting more sad. The further away we get from the Lord, the further away we get from following what God wants in our life, not recognizing the hope that we have in Christ. And when we don't recognize the hope we have in Christ and we trade in the hope for hope in Jesus for the things of this world, for quick satisfaction, immediate release, all these things. Guys, this is what takes place. Look at Japan itself, right? Less than 2% Christian. And in one month, they had more people die of suicide than they have the entire year of COVID-19. They're free of Christ, and look what happens. So many different places you can go to, suicide rate, crazy numbers. And they don't have Christ. What the world wants is happiness. What God wants them to have is a continuous joy in Christ. What God wants for them to happen is to recognize where the lord is in their life he wants to be their strong tower he sent his only son to die for those people and I've been thinking about that a lot and I've been reading through psalm 34 and I wanted to read it alongside you guys because it's one of my it's one of my favorite psalms and I'm actually not going to start on the first on the first verse because I kind of want to give a little bit there's one verse that I, I like to start with in verse 4 and then we'll kind of go read from the top and it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he rescued me from all my fears. And I love that because I believe there's dread coming on the earth and there's so many people right now that live in dread and they think that maybe this will bring me happiness. And if I get the car, eventually I'll have this and eventually I'll have this. If I get this thing, I'll eventually be happy. And the Bible says nothing of the sort. That's not what is going to bring you true joy, and the happiness will fleet. It will go away. But God wants a sustained joy, one that's fixed and doesn't move. Even in that place of sadness, you can be what Paul said, I'm sorrowful yet always rejoicing, even in that place of sadness. And I think the question should be answered, and I think Leonard Ravenhill has one of my favorite uh, sermons called, What is Your Life?, And I love that sermon. I absolutely love that sermon because it doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world, if you're poor, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or otherwise. Guys, it is one of the coolest sermons because it brings everyone down to the same level. And he quotes from the answer, which is found in James chapter 4. And James, the brother of Jesus, is actually... Um, what they call the book is actually the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's such a such a cool book. There's so many quotes and statements. There's so many people that if you read the Word of God all the time, some of the some of the quotes will just come out of you without you even recognizing that it's from James because there's just so many powerful, wonderful quotes., ah, even the demons believe and, and they shudder. you, you know, like, uh, I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, just, there's so many texts. I humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he'll exalt you, you know, flee from the devil, you know, draw near to God. All these different texts in James. But this one, if you want to know what is your life, I think he gives a, a good example and then he kind of thrusts it home. And this is before we go back to Psalm 34 and I'll, I'll start it in verse 13. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make much profit. Guys, this is exactly what I'm talking about in terms of happiness. I can tell you this from BC, before I knew Christ, that I thought, well, if I get a lot of money or if I get into this college and then if I get this job and then if I live in this house, that will bring me to another place. But then you'll just keep chasing it. And it's like the wind. You just keep chasing after the wind, go and trying to get it and trying to get it and trying to get it. And you're not getting anywhere, you know, it's just like running on a treadmill like you're 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 running and running and running but you're really not going anywhere. And that's what's happening for for a lot of people apart from Christ. They think that they're out there running and doing their things but really they're just on a treadmill. They're going nowhere. And then these people would engage in this talk, "Oh, this is what I'll do and this is what I'll do." Dude, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure plenty of people had a ton of plans of what they were going to do in 2020 and then March 11th hit. <laughs> right? Everyone had all these plans. I'm going to go this. I'm going to do this trip. I'm going to visit my family. And then next thing you know, no. I just got a message while I was sitting here getting ready to record from a friend. I was explaining. I said, hey, you know, my uh, my great-grandma passed away uh, two weeks ago. And I'll be doing the funeral coming up. And I said, yeah, I, I really do believe it's it's from the isolation. You know, she's such a social person. She, you know, she uh, was in her church choir, was still driving all the way past 100 <laughs> Like, I was like, I think just being alone, I I think that was kind of it for her, Um, you know. uh, And it's so sad because he wrote me and he said, yeah, my my grandfather died in the hospital and he didn't understand why they weren't even allowed to see him. It's just such a, by the way, it's such a stupid thing. Tell me how that makes sense. Just letting them die by themselves. I, ah, you can really bother me when you try to tell me how all these practicing of medicine, and that's nonsense. I'm sorry. Oh, make sure they die by themselves. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyways, but it hurts my heart, you know, because we should be by our loved ones, especially and whether they know the Lord or not, we should be by them, you know, especially if they don't know the Lord. I want to be begging and and crying out to the Lord, please repent, (laughs) you know. But nonetheless, it's something that really hurts my heart, but plenty of people have plans that they're going to do this, that, and the other without even seeking the Lord on it. It's like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Okay. Like did you like seek the Lord at all on this? Like did you talk to him? Like he kind of knows the end from the beginning. It'd be good to maybe ask. And he's like, and that's exactly what James addresses. I'm going to start again on 13. I'll keep reading. So I want to get back to Psalm 34 before we cut off here. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. What is your life? You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Do you realize how fleeting this life is? I'll tell you one thing. I remember when I first came to the Lord, that was over a decade ago. <laughs> it's weird to say that. Um, and I remember after I came to the Lord, I would tell people, yeah, I came to the Lord this date, January 19th, 2009. And they'd be like, oh, wow, you you know, that wasn't that long ago Till eventually like, Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it goes by really quick. And I'll tell you my my first son's birth, my second son's birth, my first daughter's birth, my second daughter's birth. It's like, wait a second, they were just what are you, what you were just breastfeeding? What are you doing hitting a baseball, you know? Like it, it, this is crazy. It goes by really really fast. And I think the I'm sure for those older the more the days go by, the quicker they go by. And you really say, "Wow." It's fleeting. Teach me to number my ways, Lord. Let me recognize what I have today to serve you. Your mercies are new every morning. I want to wake up in them and also say, I want to do more for you, Lord. I want to I want to draw nearer to you. And I don't just want to, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and not seek him on it. Verse, uh, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. So whatever you're doing, say, I want to do it in the Lord's will. You do not want to do anything outside of the Lord's will. I've heard it said in terms of the pastoral, but I think this goes alongside of all ministry. If you are called to the pastoral ministry or any ministry that you're called in, if you are called to that ministry, there is nothing in this world that will ever satisfy you until you get back to that ministry. But if you are not called to that ministry, there will, it will be miserable and miserable and miserable for you as you attempt to do that ministry outside of the calling of the Lord. And I think that's so true. We want to make sure we're recognizing, to, teaching ourselves to number our ways. We're recognizing this life as a vapor. We recognize we don't do anything without the Lord's telling us to do that, to walk in that truth, to follow without a doubt what He has to say. Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we'll do this or do that." But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to to do and does not do it, to him to to him it is sin. Guys, the right thing to do is is seek the Lord on any of these manners. Now I want to get back to Psalm 34. That first verse I read is verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me, and he rescued me from all my fears. Now I want to start from the beginning. I will bless the Lord at all times. What a great way to start the psalm. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I, I I memorized that at the gym with my old best man, Chad Lackey. I remember uh, his praise shall continually be on my lips, I think was the version that I read uh, with him. My soul will make his boast in the Lord and the humble will hear it and rejoice. That's, you know, it's interesting because this is a psalm of David. That's not the only time he says that. Uh, you know, he, he says that also in Psalm 40 about the new song the Lord put on his heart, a song of praise to his God, and that the humble will hear of it, and they'll, they'll, they'll come to repentance, actually, is what it mentions there. But verse 4, or I, I'm sorry, verse 3, exalt the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name together. So this is all about exalting, all about praising him. Then I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he rescued me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. The wretched man, this wretched man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no lack of anything. The young lions do without and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord will, lack, will not lack any good thing. Come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the person who desires life and loves length of days that he may seem good, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears to- are toward their cry. For- and his ears are toward their cry for help. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to eliminate the memory of them from the earth. I just have to say, when you memorize verses and then you're reading them in a different (laughs) version, it throws me out. (laughs) But nonetheless. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saved those who are crushed in spirit. Man, I love that verse. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save those in a crushed spirit. So all these people of the world that we're talking about that are seeking after the happiness, seeking after endorphins, seeking after this quick joy that they can get, not even joy, this happiness they can get from finishing a video game, from watching a TikTok video, from watching a TV show, from watching all these things and, and doing drugs or whatever it is. Know that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is the one who will lift them up if they turn to him. We have these promises. These are true promises. We should also tell them the warnings. But guess what? We have promises to hand out to people that are in God's word, that he is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The affliction of the righteous are many, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil will bring death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will suffer for their guilt. The Lord redeems the souls of his servants. And none of those who take refuge in him will suffer for their guilt. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, turn to him now. We have a good God. He's the one who rescues those. He's the one who He he's near to the brokenhearted. He saves and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Finish on verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he rescued me from all my fears. If you fear anything right now, give it to the Lord. You are anxious for anything put it on the cross god bless
0: you've been listening to the good fight radio show brought to you by good fight ministries if you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us please consider visiting our patreon page at patreon.com/goodfight or you can write to us at po box 2202 simi valley california 93062 or call us toll free at 1866 jc truth that's 1866 5287884 We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.